Coming to you live, this is your MTG Action Forward News Team. Hello, this is MTG Action 4 News, your news team for keeping things fresh in the multiverse. I'm Mr. Combat Number 5, providing you new ways to lose your friends. Then we have Big Tuck, your breaking news source. Yes, and always remember, as the well-known master polymorphist Thomas Brown once said, rough diamonds may sometimes be mistaken for worthless pebbles, <laughs> unless they are Borthos nerds, in which case they are ambers. <laughs> <laughs> Screaming getting caught up on meta traffic with the weather light report. Oh, I'm bringing you the beat on the street. Then we have the head of CMD. Whoa, it's a Vorthos cast takeover. Whoa. Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Brian Dawes and I'm here to tell Big Tuck to suck it. Yes, sir. <laughs> As we say in some other podcasts I've heard of, a blasted. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to your number six source of Magic the Gathering news. I don't care anymore about the Imicrol. I don't want it. I don't want it. We gotta find something new. Wait, 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 hold on. It's just a nail nail in the heart every time at this point. Insert Jon Snow. I don't want it. (laughs) (laughs) We're gonna start off the top of the cast of Ladies and Cards and ensued with 45. So the first game I want to talk about, um, it's a deck I don't play a whole lot. Good Lord, I need to update the deck list because I pulled it up so that way I could remember the cards that I did. I saw a Paradox Engine listed on my online deck list. We're talking about my Kozilek the Great Distortion deck. So first six turns, I did basic colorless stuff. Land, ramp, played another land, ramped again. Played another land, I'll ramp into a ramp. And I just kept ramping, 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 ramping. Uh, And eventually I got to the point later in the game that I was able to kill one of Marketing Ross's friends with Kozilek command damage in the sweetest way possible. We are talking about one of the coolest cards that only works in high CMC decks, Hedron Matrix. I knew it. Four colorless. (laughs) Equip four. Equip creature gets plus X plus X where X is its converted mana cost. He, I, me and him made a deal to where he was going to give me like four flying spirits and four, and I was going to gain life equal to the number of creatures I controlled, which I think was like six total once I got the tokens. Sure. Um, which you know, I think it put me at like twenty-four life, twenty-eight life, nothing, nothing absurd. Uh, but then he did it to himself because he strictly said, "Who here is willing to make a deal?" And you know me, I jump all yeah, over I'm deals. In. I will take <laughs> deals Excuse left and right. Uh, so I took the deal, and both Ross and I believe it was Dan. Were playing with us we're like what are you doing why are you giving him a deal and he he just simply said i think it was matt and he just simply said no one else was willing to take a deal like no one <laughs> said anything and i was just like i'll take it all day long and the deal was i don't do anything to him even counter spells for two turns i was like deal <laughs> like great done. Done. Yeah, I'm yeah. one yeah. counter spell on the deck so you got me. <laughs> well remember my commander though can counter spell oh, stuff that's true. As oh, I that's true. fair point so it, once the second turn got around, I think I had killed Dan, and it was just Ross and Matt. And so I ended up swinging out, killing Ross with just generic big Eldrazi damage. But then Matt had one creature, and I was like, uh, Hedron Matrix, I kill you. And he's like, well, I'll block. And it's like, uh, Kozlik has Menace. 
and he's a 24-24, and he was like, oh. <laughs> and then I think Ross, Ross tried to cast two or three spells in a row, and I was like, discard counter, discard counter, discard yeah. counter. Yeah. Oh, man, it felt so good. <laughs> I love that you also glossed over generic Eldrazi damage. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what what else would you call, like, Artisan of Kozilek and Ulamog? Right. It's generic Eldrazi it, damage. It <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's well, anything generic about those cards at all. Well, Squee McGee, what game would you like to talk about? Well, I had two that I played this week, and I'll talk about the second one. It was with Ross, Tyler, and I, I honestly can't remember. Uh-oh, you, you saw the Marin deck. I did, yeah, Marin won. <laughs> what do you expect? As of course you did. As normal. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> I was playing Gorm the Great. And I've just decided that Virtus is now a low-grade detractor to that deck, and might as well just get him out of there. <laughs> makes it worse. Oh, everybody hates that card. I didn't even have to start the game before people started hating that card. They were like, oh, what are those partner commanders yeah. over there? And I was like, Gorm's a 3-7. You always start with Gorm to ease him into it. Just be like, right. hey, it's Gorm. Sure. It's nice. <laughs> it kind of goads a little bit. It's fine. Oh, yeah, this guy takes half your life. Round it up. Give her take. No big deal. Anyways, I did that. Uh, I had the pleasure also of natural ordering out a uh, Hornet Queen after our topical discussion Ooh. from a week or two ago, which was nice. nice. Uh, that, yeah, that saved me for, I think, maybe four or five turns because there was a lot of flowers out on the board, so I had to, to deal with that, and it was a timely natural order. Sacrifice a, uh, a Llanowar Elves, I believe, and get a Hornet Queen. Not bad. Four mana. No, that's not bad. So yeah. it's interesting because you know that EDHREC.com does have a salt meter, and I'm kind of shocked to not see that Virtus Veiled. He has no salt meter on him. Uh, but I know Heartless Hedetsugu does. I know in real life, Virtus has some salt because <laughs> as soon as somebody finds out what the hell his text says, yeah, fucked. I, I think the big yeah. difference is because Heartless Hitsugu just has to tap. The sure, true. has to connect. So, and it's all and yeah. Heartless is also all players at once. So yeah. that, that adds yeah. up. So I think I'm going to start running Virtus as a almost distraction or a pseudo distraction <laughs> in this deck. Just start going. So what's, in the, what's direction. the what's the theme of the deck then? <laughs> I. I to be determined. <laughs> we're going back. We're going back to the pile. Wait, we're, wait, yeah, we're, we're going, we're back, going to back to it. Here. I don't want it. The two for ref. there it uh, is. Well, well, good old Sir Brian. Have you played any EDH games in the last week? The last, the last game that I played was with you, where you completely uh -oh. trounced us. While I had bronchitis and I was in pain and I was suffering and it's like, oh God, why is this? Is this happening? the salt meter? Yeah, so the interesting thing, Brian, is the game that you're talking about is going to be coming out on a bruise and builds this Friday. So why don't you give a high level overview of the trouncing that happened? So I was so kind of out of it. Uh, Jeez. Um, but basically, you were playing Joda and you, you went buck wild on us with, like, it, you expropriate, copied it. And was it time warped? I think it was time warp, but like it, it was just disgusting. And then you won the next turn because you you just went off. It, it was sounds it was about right. Disgusting. 
it was disgusting. I, I know I was, yeah. I was not playing a great deck because I was not prepared <laughs> to be doing stuff like that. I have, a, like, I have decks anywhere from a five to a, a ten, but like, I, I'm pretty well, sure I was playing a five at that point. I was like, well, yeah, well, and here's here's the challenge with that deck, and I did allude to it on our last MTG Action Four News, uh, but I didn't dive into it. So to dive a little deeper, Mr. T, CMD Tower himself, was actually in that game as well, Whoa. and he had played that uh, he played that Eldrazi that and and Brian, you'll have to help me out. It's the one whenever he plays, like, whenever we play a land, we have to exile cards off the top Fire of our library. Stagnation. There we oh, go. Oh, that card's so backbreaking. Yeah. yeah, he played a Sire super early. And so everyone's attention went to him and kind of went away from me. So I was able to ramp out. And even when I played some like decent stuff with Joda, it was just like, yeah, Mr. Combo's doing that. But look what this JD is doing. Uh, Got to get rid of him. So uh, that, I think that I think that game was more a matter of circumstances to what my opponent was doing, opposed to like how good my deck was. Because I sure. think if, if Mr. T had done more of an on par deck, I think I probably would have been like, oh, he's he's doing some shenanigans. We, we should get rid of this uh, J-hole over here. Yeah. I mean, I'll put it this way. The only thing I've ever heard about your Jota deck is, hey, there I was doing Jota things. Yeah. Very nondescript. <laughs> Don't yeah. tell you anything about it. I was just doing Jota but things, and then I won. It was, thing. Fine. It's, it's, it was fine. It's so hard to remember, because a lot of times when I'm doing Jota things, I'm casting like five, six, seven spells, and I'm not going to remember that, because I'm in the tank. Big Tuck, what games do <laughs> you want to talk about? Uh, so I actually got into games. I don't remember when it was, but I got in with friend of the show Tice last week. And Ooh, yeah. why, have, why wasn't I invited? What the hell? He was texting me. So he so he did we drink, got by in. The way. I did take my drink. Um so we I actually got a Atraxa proliferate infect kill. <gasps> which was the first time and actually won doing that. Wow. It was the first time that Dex ever done it, which doesn't matter, but what I'd like to say first is that um, I think I don't remember who it was, but shout out to spelltable.com. We talked about that. Yeah. Nick so, the hotness. Was that from he him? He hooked us up. Yes. So we got in. He sent this over. So huge shout out to Nick the hotness. If you guys aren't using it, it's at spelltable.com. It is by far and away the best way to play paper magic on the Internet. Like by yep. by or country sure. mile, like they, but they, the limitation you can only have four, four players, players in it. Correct. So yep. it was like it's just insane. Like it tracks life, it searches cards, um, it's just bonkers. Like it's such a great platform. It's just really incredible. So I would highly recommend you guys migrating over to that. And for right now, it's free. Um, it is a bunch of people from Magic that made it, and they do have Patreons and merch. I just found out if you want to contribute and help them. So. Fantastic platform. Yeah, and what, what I will do is I will elaborate shortly on a few of the things that does make it very different. So one of the challenges that we've had doing it like through Google Meet or Discord or things like that is unless you're using a third-party software to then take the image and reorganize mm -hmm. it, everyone sees everyone in a different spot. Right. The way spell, spell table works, it's first come, first serve. So if you're the first person in, basically the one that created the table, you're top left. And then as mm -hmm. people get in, they follow in right, bottom right, bottom left. So you don't have to figure out turn order. It's just you roll dice, whoever gets the highest dice, you can tap the space bar and it passes priority right. to that player. And then boom, they have a timer. And then as soon as they're done, you immediately know who's next because it's normal turn order because everyone mm -hmm. sees the same screen. That's amazing. 
Second thing is I have never had an issue with images or no. streaming. The only issue, though, is you need to do your audio through another app. Agreed, Their audio yes. is not good. Um, and they even do say that, hey, for now, use your audio through another app. But here's the thing that really takes the cake. And uh, Brian, I don't know if you've had a chance to see it. Probably not since the last game you played. Uh, you were possibly drugged getting Joda <laughs> things done to you. Um, the top right of the screen, they do have a search bar. And if anyone says, hey, I play expropriate, opposed to, hey, what's expropriate do? And we have to pause, read it out, seven colorless, blue, blue. Uh, you can just type it in, EXPR, and then it'll just pop up, like a list of cards, much mm -hmm. like a lot of other search engines. You click on the card, and then it shows you right there. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I have it. Here's what takes it to the next level. Yeah, which is and then this last level after that. It is insane. This will be the that's the next next level. Here's the next level as more cards come out and you search them in the search bar You have a search history so you no longer have to ask wait What was that card again? All you have to do is look over to the right and you can see all the it's cards all that there. you have searched and looked up And they're all right there, but here is next yeah, next it's, level. It's this this it's, last it's, part is it works so well and so consistently but it's internet dependent. You have to have good internet. So that way you're, if, as you as the transmitter, cause your image needs to be clear. Sure. And I have noticed it works best when it's a straight top down view opposed to an angle view. Right. But you can take your mouse cursor, and when I do this in our 40 Life in a Dash lab um, in my <laughs> basement or Phyrexian dungeon, um, you, you can click, take your mouse cursor, click on any card, and it'll just appear in that top right. Oh, nice. Just boom, done. Uh, the only times it does have challenges is like I was playing with uh, Nathan, uh, Duffman, and Dan, last night or the night before and I was playing upstairs in my home office and I'm doing that rigmarole where I'm using like hardwired but it's going through my power outlet so it's like oh. kind of bootleg ethernet um, and so the, the image wasn't that clear and so it didn't work at all there but it worked perfect in the basement because I actually have a hardwire from my router drop down in so I can plug straight in so um, but that that feature was Amazing, because then you don't even have to ask them to say the card out loud. You just click on it, yeah, and it appears in your search bar. It's a real, it's, it's, it's a real incredible, um, it's a real incredible service. So definitely help support them, and let's keep this thing going. For sure, cool. Well, that's gonna wrap up Forty Life in a Dash. Now to cover what's going on in your local multiverse. What's the plane chase? So, as we all know, Netflix and the infamous Russo brothers are pairing up with Magic the Gathering and WotC to do some sort of video content show movie media platform. I'm sure they've said what they're going to do, but I feel like it's ever changing. Um, so we thought it'd be fun to invite our Vorthos cast friends to kind of help lead a discussion around what Magic the Gathering storylines would best translate over to media. And so today what we're going to do is good old Sir Brian is going to be the representative representative at Netflix mm -hmm. and Big Tuck, Squee, and myself are going to make our pitch on what storyline we think would best translate to media. I love it. And Sir Brian is going to either give us the thumbs up or the thumbs down. He might tell us to suck it, as it were. <laughs> uh, he, he very well could, but we're going to start off this discussion with Squee because he's been bragging about the three paragraph <laughs> monologue he's got this all he has provided. Up. 
So, Squee, what storyline do you want to pitch to Sir Brian at Netflix and why? Brian, we're talking Apocalypse. Whoa. My favorite set. 2001's the year. And I have a little something for you. So, you're going to have to listen to me talk for just a second here. (laughs) The coalition forces hurled their might at Stronghold. Now, overlaid into the swamps of Urborg, Urza led a powerful group of planeswalkers to Phyrexia itself, hoping to destroy the invaders in their home. Gerard and Urza are forced to fight each other in an arena, and when one kills the other, the loser is returned to life by Yogmoth's power and the two must fight again. Eventually, Urza is decapitated, and Gerard escapes with the head, <laughs> only to find himself in a stronghold throne room, with a crazed Krovax standing over the broken form of Squee, Sisse, Karn, and Taggart. Oh, now I know why you picked it. It's because you're in the story. Yes, <laughs> Does that squeeze toy in it? One of the uh, legacy weapon pieces? Not only that, but the rest of the Weatherlight crew is desperately searching the Thrantome, attempting to figure out how the legacy of the Weatherlight are supposed to save Dominaria. The remaining coalition forces led by Grizzlegom, Eldorami, and Lin Sivi fight their way through Stronghold, where they battle Krovex's Frexian soldiers. When Yogmoth himself arrives in Frexia, the final battle begins in earnest. Gerard and his allies try to channel the mana from Null Moon into a destructive beam to eradicate Yogmoth, but fail to kill him. Without any further options, Urza, who is still alive since decapitation isn't lethal to planeswalkers, <laughs> asks Gerard to take out his Power Stone eyes and place them into two sockets in Karn's chest. And scene. That's that's one that's one that's one whole episode is what you're saying. No, yeah, that's the <laughs> no, movie, right? That, that, that's, that, that, that is the movie, and it's pro, it's the part. This the third part of a series. I'm thinking, like, I, I, if you're mm-hmm. gonna do this part, you got to do the entire thing, right? You, oh, for you sure. Can't just like you can't just start mid invasion. Like that makes no sense. <laughs> but uh, I mean, know, to me, this this ends a lot like the uh, what is it, Lord of the Rings, where they have the massive blowout battle in the third movie that goes for like <laughs> two and a half hours and a second. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like, when you guys gave me this this whole shtick for this episode, this 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 whole series was probably the first. It was definitely the first thing that came to my mind. Like, yes, the, Damn, the invasion, yes. the entire invasion block was something that was just. It sounds like it was made for TV or or a movie, like. The whole and, the whole ending of it, you pull the you pull all the stones out, put them in Karn's chest, and he blinds the world with light. It's beautiful. Yeah, I'm gonna tell myself to suck it after that exciting comment. <laughs> Got a little too into it there. Oh boy, here we go. Well, well, uh, Sir Brian. So is that a just containerized? We're talking about apocalypse. Is that a thumbs up or thumbs down? And you could say, hey, this would be great as a single movie, or you know what? Maybe this could be one of those Netflix gritty series like Daredevil. Thumbs up, thumbs down. What do you think? Huh. There, there's a lot of stuff going on in Apocalypse, but I do think it, it's. I think it's a fitting end. There are parts of Apocalypse that need to be clipped out. Um, some fellow Vorthos cast members, especially Lorelai Weisshold, will say any part that mentions Commodore Guff after they, he leaves uh, Phyrexia uh, needs to be clipped out because we can't just we just can't have that. But uh, yeah, I, I think this would be a great ending to a three movie series, um, and I, I, I support it. I like it. Cool. And wow. I'm gonna put you on the spot here, real quick. If you were to cast Urza, who would it be? Ooh. 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 Um. Hmm. 
That's I'm a pretty. Not, that's a pretty. Just heavy go. Just statement. go. He. He's a white guy. He's probably got a lot of years on him. It's just Liam Neeson. There you go. Liam <laughs> <laughs> <Them> Neeson. Done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I. I could see Liam Neeson as Urza. He. He's like. I'm not really good with Hollywood actor names. So Liam Neeson. I'm comfortable with that. All right. All right. Awesome. Well, the the executive has spoken. Um, Well, I'm going to pick up the middle section more because I was going to let Big Tuck do his pitch next, but Squee actually stole part of my pitch, but I wanted to pitch the bigger thing. Uh, Sir Brian, Netflix executives, uh, fellow Vorthos cast, I want to pitch the entire Phyrexian invasion. And I want this to be a multi-movie series, not like the Avengers, because that was like so many (laughs) movies. But I think this story fits very well into how Zack Snyder's DCEU kind of vision was a five movie vision. And I think the entire Phyrexian invasion would be a good five movie vision ending with you know that uh apocalypse kind of type of thing but i think the four areas we'd kind of hit on it's like the urza saga the legacy mm-hmm. prophecy yep. and invasion oh i love um, prophecy. and the reason and the reason i kind of hit on it like this is because you know as i'm reading on of course the most reliable site on the world wikipedia.org <laughs> oh, no. um, oh, no. the, the, the phyrexian invasion starts off it says after a millennia of peace the machine-like phyrexians who originate on a hellish mechanical world invade the world of dominaria led by former thran yogmoth from the pocket universe of wrath the phyrexian invasion divides into many sub stories and so when i look at that as like just a high level i see the very first movie being the introduction like hey like here are a lot of the main characters you're kind of getting introduced and then like the right before the credits it's yogmoth about to just rain unholy hell and i'm not going to give it to you brian i'm going to take this yogmoth 100 would be the actor that played loki no oh, other tom i Hilson? think that is yeah just, he would be good tom he would be a perfect Yogmoth. But when I'm kind of looking through the invasion storyline, you know, you have your kind of Karn win, you know, blasting out the white mana and kind of eliminating everyone. And eventually it's all sunshine and daisies. But going through it, it's dark. It's gritty. You get introduced to enough characters. And like in the Urza saga, Urza creates the Tolarian Academy, which is a big thing. I think this story could appeal to Magic the Gathering. Uh, fans, but I also think it's widespread enough to where a typical Marvel, you know, MCU person would be like, oh, multi-line story, big bad, that's Tom Hiddleston. Uh, I'll, I'll go see that in the theaters. <laughs> right. So what what is your thoughts on doing an entire Phyrexian invasion, you know, five movie set? So if, if you're looking to start back in, in like, Urza's legacy and prophecy and all that stuff. We're going to need a lot more than five movies, my friend. Um, <laughs> okay. Like, fair, fair. If, if you've never read those books, like there's a lot of detail that gets left out in some of the Ur- the prophecy novels, but the invasion stuff is super dense as far as okay. the, the things that could be really done well in cinematic view. Um, so, like I was saying, the Invasion series, those three books by themselves would be stand- great standalone movies as they are. Um, if you're okay. willing to go a little bit earlier than that, it, you're, I think that that's something that we can look at. 
Some of them are kind of wishy-washy. Some of those novels are okay. uh, the story can be added upon, but there is some room for additions. So maybe you can. Like me personally, I would love to go into the backstory of Ella Domri, Lord of Leaves, but you know, so you know that that's me because he has a really great backstory that you can go into. But I, I can dig that. I can dig it. Um, my only thing is that Tom Hilton as Yawgmoth isn't going to work for me because. Because if, if you're looking at the card for for the art for Yogmoth, that's Yogmoth back in the Thran days. That that's that's twenty thousand years ago. Whoa! That's okay, pretty, that that's way before the Phyrexian invasion. Now um, you know. So what I would like so, to see so, in this, I would like to see uh, the actress that played Bellatrix Lestrange play Avatar of Woe. Unfortunately, Ooh. the avatars don't really have a, a, a thing in in the in the. In the storyline, no, no, you're really sweet. I got burned. I thought you were gonna say, uh, I thought so, you were gonna say Tom Hiddleston isn't pale enough, and I was like, I am not sure about that, my friend. <laughs> but, so, yeah. two questions for you, Brian. Uh, first one: Who would you then cast for the Yawgmoth in this timeline? Would it have to just be a CGI person? Well, it's basically it's whatever voice you want to be. Like, I, I could see it. Like I could see something hmm, was a really disturbing. Oh, if it's just a voice, could we just do uh, Liam Neeson again? Yeah. <laughs> We're on them Neesons all day long. I've I've really I really dug um, Josh Brolin's Thanos. Oh, and right. I think his voice acting could really bring a lot of depth to that role. Um, like there there are a lot of good art actors with really good voice that I could envision Yogmoth with. Tom Hiddleston isn't a bad choice. It's just for, especially for his Thran era days. But I think once he's warped into the god figure that he is in in the invasion era, it, it's it's a little bit. He, he's more. He's 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 not human anymore. He he's ascended. Okay. He's complete. He's the true like he's the embodiment of Phyrexian completion. So. So basically, I, he's Robert Downey Jr. is what I'm hearing. So we're going he back has transcended hu- hu- humanity, and he is now a god. Oh, oh! I have one better for you. He is now Johnny Depp in Transcendence for all five of you that have oh, seen that movie. Oh it's a lot yeah. like that. Suck it, Big Tuck. Yeah. Well, the, the last question I had for you, Sir Brian, before we get to Big Tuck's pitch, is you made the comment of, hey, you're going to need way more than five movies. Uh, some of this stuff, there's a lot to peel back. Are you a Lord of the Rings fan? I am. What do you prefer, the extended versions or the theatrical? To be honest with you, I haven't watched the extended versions yet. I own them. <laughs> oh, okay, them, okay. I have not taken. Well, like, it's one of those things. Buckle where up, I you got like a twelve-hour adventure. Yep. Yeah. Like I, my my company's putting me on furlough the second week of June, so I think I might oh, take I'm it sorry off. About that, yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. It, it's it, it's fine. It's whatever. It, it, it is what it is. But you know. I think I'm going to take that time to get caught up in a bunch of things. Like I have, I have okay. to finish watching the last Airbender because that's that's super popular right now. And yeah, I think I might take the time to watch the extended Lord of the Rings because like I bought it and was like, I want to watch this with somebody and we, we, sure. can, make a, we can make a a, a a thing out of it. But I just haven't had a chance to do that yet. So. 
Well, and the reason I asked is because your initial comment about you're going to need way more than five movies is something that I think a lot of us Lord of the Rings fans heard about the theatrical versions of the movies. Like, oh, they left out this, they left out this. These were very crucial things. And then once the extended versions came out, they loved it, even though each one was like four hours long. It was like that what they included everything that the story needed. So that, that was initially why I kind of asked. I was like, I wonder if he's a Lord of the Rings theatrical or extended. Because if you're the extended fan, that would make sense. Like, hey, these stories have so much to give. There's not really a good way to parse it down. Um, so cool. Well, Big Tuck, I'm excited. What do you uh, got? Sir Brian, what do you when, I, when I pitched this idea over, he was like, oh, this is going to be oh, terrible. And then within three minutes, he was like, oh, I got it picked out. So tell us, Vorthos King, what did you pick? You guys are getting so far deep in the mythology. We got to we're stripping it out. We're making this very easy, okay? So <laughs> are you doing War of the Spark? No, okay. And actually, I thought some, I thought some of you guys were gonna do Planeswalkers, and like all the major Planeswalkers all are lame. I think Tolari, the professor's like study halls. Hey, were, I talked about a Planeswalker got decapitated and still lived. But like that's like the cool Planeswalkers, not like the Guild Pact or whatever. So here's what I think: kids these days. So I didn't know that this was gonna have to be a Netflix pitch because I was actually gonna pitch this to YouTube. So, which way do you want me to go? Because I can do either way. I think you can upload to YouTube uh, anytime I, I you want. I would rather you pitch this to HBO, because then it can get real dark. Ooh, this one's not that dark. So, that's why I think that's why this one's a winner, okay? So, first off, kids these days have the attention spans of nanoseconds, right? So, sitting in front of a computer and watching the same thing for hours on end is a lot to ask. So, originally, when I was going to do a YouTube series, I was going to take a little bit off of Mortal Kombat Legacy, which I don't know if you guys remember that <sighs> one. But oh, it's yeah. pretty rad, and that is the thing that is now behind a paywall. So the thing I liked about that was there, Mortal Kombat is a very complex thing, right? Even though people don't think it is, but like the diehards are like, oh, it's not a fighting game. There's overworld and underworld sure. and all this BS, right? However, you run across this thing where there's a gazillion characters. So one thing I liked about this was it kind of gave each, each character like a bit of a vignette, like an eight to ten minute vignette of like, this is this character, this is what they're doing, this sort of thing. Sure. Um, and then the set by looking at it, the second season is when it kind of wrapped it up, right? So what I thought would be a great intro for a lot of people is the idea of the dragon's maze. So you need to know nothing about any characters that go into it because honestly, they're not that fleshed out. And I think that's what's kind of nice about it. <laughs> the city of Ravnica itself is kind of like a course con or, um, I don't know, a sort of Helm's Deep or, you know, it's, it's like a, it's a character in and of itself, right? It's, and as we've seen in a lot of things like King's Landing, you know, people think that's interesting because it's this big city with all these secrets and whatnot. So, and I think the quote is 10 guilds, one destination. Exactly. Seems like it should be on a postcard. So positive. Exactly. So pretty much the gist for those who don't know of Dragon's Maze is that I don't want to get too far into it and you can, but the overall thing is that each one of the 10 guilds that are, are represented by a color pairing on Ravnica, each select a champion to run through this maze and at the maze's end, one of my favorite cards ever printed ooh, ooh, is a fountain ooh. of great power. So the way I kind of saw this happening is one of two ways. If you wanted to do like a Netflix series, you could do you could do 10 30 minute episodes or whatever you want, but each 
vignette, each shorter episode kind of shows you like, this is Rurik Thar doing Rurik Thar things to the Gruul Guildgate. This is Mirko Voss, the vampire with Demir, right? And it kind of gives you a very high level introduction to not only these sort of ancillary characters, some of which who come up later in the story or otherwise, but there's also people like Jace on this plane and Vraska on this plane that are kind of some of these like bigger hitters when it comes to like the bigger old magic story. So for me, I thought this would be kind of a great intro. You don't even have to say in, in reality if you just tell people like hey there's this great fantasy thing it's set in this really cool city that's got life of its own it's got these kind of unique characters they're kind of going towards this thing they're in this maze it's kind of sounds a little maybe too ya which is probably around the time when this came out when the maze runners and all that crap was around uh but it, it felt like a very concise you don't really need to know that much about the lore it's still an interesting story there's a lot of cards to pull from and it could be an intro not only into the world of magic as a whole but also an intro into the world of Ravnica, which is kind of a centerpiece for the War of the Spark um, and for a lot of magic history. You know, there there wasn't a lot of detail about the other non-Jace, non-Imara uh, Tandris maze runners, um, but I think your proposition of giving a little bit more screen time to, to some of these other guilds might might be something that's worth at least looking into, seeing what the writers can come up with sure. as far as fleshing out some of these other people. Now, a lot of these other people don't really have a whole lot to do with a lot of the magic story going forward, so I'm not super sure about how we're going sure. to tie this into continuing on, but enough of them do to where this might be something worth looking into. Um, what if this is like a side, so what if we're already established into, you know, we people know what the Ravnica is, and this is like a side thing of it, right? So I was literally just about to say that. So, so Brian, what if, so I don't know how much of the MCU our collective knows about, but you know, there was a subsection of the MCU that was on TV and it, they didn't necessarily directly interact with the movies, but they were in the same universe. Right. Mm -hmm. So what if this like Dragon's Maze was like the ABC series or the Are you, are you trying to the shield? <laughs> yes, oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> what if Dragon's Maze out. is like Agents of Shield? Okay, I, I I could see that. Like once Jace wins, like I actually like that idea more than the whole mazes, <laughs> the 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 dragons maze story. To be honest with you, sure. like once Jace wins the guild pack and starts doing things off plane and making everybody like, what the hell? Where's the guild pack? <laughs> I actually like that idea more. You you give people like you, you see. Uh, uh, Lavinia running around trying to keep order in the city of right. Ravnica without Jace and you know and Tasa's Tasa, you could you could do like a small like sub theme of like Tasa's kind of rise up to where she becomes in the return to Ravnica you know yeah, so le leading into War of the Spark I, I, right. I, I can dig that story actually I, I like that story that that story sounds great Ooh, Big Tuck has a winner now so Big I think Tuck, I, are you ready to include two and not just standards but two staples in the movie industry Sam Jackson and Nick Cage uh, well, oh, well, about this, we could do Sam Jackson as the voice of Rufar, and then yes. we could do Nick Cage as either Val. Oh no, slam dunk! Nick Cage, Val Ross, the Scar Striped as like an ogre, being like, "This is my scavenge." Nailed it. No, 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 no. Nick Cage is Domri. Nick Cage is Domri. 
Oh, interesting. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, because Domri <laughs> has to ascend in the gruel during this period, right? Oh, so yeah. Oh, can yeah. Totally be Domri. Oh, uh, we could do like the age, like we could do the uh, the shift down, like in the uh, Irishman, where yeah. we de-age Nick Cage like forty years. <laughs> yeah, that'd be dope. And I, I want to hear uh, Nick Cage try to do the Scottish accent that Domri has on Arena. That's what I want to hear. Yes. <laughs> done. That's a done deal. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up. What's the plane chase? Now in that last segment, Squee dives into those creative juices with the Weatherland Welcome back to the Weatherlight Report, coming to you live from Weatherlight Chopper 4. I'm Squee McGee. Uh, today we're talking Karuga the Macro Sage. So it's one of the new companion commanders. Okay. <laughs> and then two Simic hybrid companion. Your starting deck contains only cards with converted mana cost three or greater and land cards. When Karuga the Macro Sage enters the battlefield, draw a card for each other permanent you control with converted mana cost three or greater. He's a 5-4. And a legendary dinosaur hippo for those playing that tribal. You gotta love that hippo tribal. <laughs> yeah. So I'm actually thinking this could be a semi kind of fun mill deck. Yeah, I think he'd be a fun... Uh-huh companion a little cynic mill action yeah so you know the idea is kind of to, to bring karuga back in and out of the battlefield and we've talked about those on previous weatherlight reports in blue so i don't really want to go over those cards today but you know you bring them in you bring them out you put them back on the battlefield you just keep drawing cards uh but where we're going to go with this is a direction where we're going to penalize other people every time we draw a card so the first one i wanted to talk about and these are all blue they're all three costed and they're coming right at you all it's right. sphinx's tutelage two colorless nope. and a blue enchantment whenever you draw a card target opponent puts the top two cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard if they're both non-land cards that share a color repeat this process and then it has five colorless and a blue draw a card then discard a card uh. the last part's not so important however uh, there's going to be a lot of ways to draw a card can build that up. So really what you're going to do is just kind of start milling people out. And, you know, just depending on luck, I thought this card would be entertaining because, yeah, on, on the off chance that you keep drawing all these cards that make you repeat this process, you're going to be infuriated and you're going to deck yourself eventually. <laughs> but uh, it, it's a kind of a fun card to, to mess with in this just to have it. And it's going to be almost like a Staxi mill kind of thing where you have a bunch of these type of effects on the board that are going to start draining people down. Uh, if I recall right, this card's what a dollar? Yeah, a dollar like twenty-two. It was creeping up to like five, I think. But I think the, I think it got hammered with the uh, mystery booster. So hopefully it stays low. Oh, and and then everyone decided to spend all their money on every other card known to man. <laughs> no joke. Hashtag worldly tutors over fifty dollars. That's criminal. Um, I love I love yeah. I love a little tutelage from Randy Tutelage. So I'm on board. Yep. <laughs> I think this card has a lot of potential, and then once we get into these other ones, you'll see. And it even has flavor text for those that are wondering. You've never considered the implications of dealing with another telepath, Jason. Who I think was said by Magosi. No, I'm, that's not. Right. <laughs> I'll hammer it. Hey, get out of here, Vorthos. Come, come on, Brian. That was a that was a softball for you. <laughs> it's, it's, who's the Sphinx? Al-Hammeret. Who's the Sphinx from Origins? Alhamaret. Alhamar. Oh, that's right. <laughs> You've been put in your place, sir. I'll, I'll take it. All right, so the next card I wanted to talk about is another enchantment, three costed, two colors, and a blue, ever watching Threshold. It is an enchantment rare. Whenever an opponent mm. attacks you and or a planeswalker you control with one or more creatures, draw a card. 
This is a stacks card I hadn't really ever heard of. And you get to draw a lot of cards, and not only that, but it kind of keeps your board state from getting hit. Because people are going to start thinking, well, okay, you got a couple enchantments out there. If I attack you, you're going to draw a card, then I'm going to mill two, possibly four, whatever the case. Whatever you have on the board is going to be kind of prohibitive. So this is going to be almost like a ghostly prison propaganda-esque type of thing. Mm -hmm. And you get to fuel your own fire by drawing cards, getting extra gas, and making people most likely mill out a bunch of their deck on top of that. Um, this card I had never heard of. This was kind of under the radar, so I was pretty excited about this one. Yeah, it came out with the enchantments. Yeah. The, only thing, like, the only thing I don't like about it is it's only, you only get to, even if they attack you with 20 creatures, you still only get to draw one card, which kind of stinks. Yeah, that's fine. But yeah, and, and that's why I think there's probably better draw cards based on what your opponents are going to do. Um, if you're trying to go that route where I'm drawing a lot of my deck and I'm going to have more milly things for you, um, I, I think something like that, whenever it's the you get one effect, no matter how many minis are coming at you, I usually try to steer a little bit away mm -hmm. from that. But I guess if you're trying to stay on a budget, mm -hmm. it's probably not a terrible it's on card. A budget. You have to be over three mana, which is goes back to the that is a restriction this and then the other thing i like about this and what i was more interested in is almost that kind of ghostly prison effect where people just kind of think twice about attacking you if there's somebody that's slightly less available but they're not going to make you draw a card and mill anything out they're probably going to swing that way and or not swing at all which is kind of what i liked okay. about this because as a mill deck you're going to be a little bit weak in the pants i guess they would say <laughs> uh <laughs> So, the uh, third card that I wanted to get into here is going to be Psychic Corrosion. Another enchantment. Oh, as you such a good card. card. Yep. Yeah. Two colorless and a blue. It's an uncommon uh, from M19. Whenever you draw a card, each opponent puts the top two cards of their library into their graveyard. Yeesh. So, I mean, that's every turn you're going to draw a card. Every time you draw a card off somebody else, it's going to be doing that. Every time you get Karuga onto the battlefield, you're potentially going to be milling people for, you know, two, four, six... 10, 14, whatever it is. It's going to be a lot of cards that you're getting off the board with this, and as an uncommon, I was a little bit surprised at how good this card was for how low it oh, costs. Yeah. And it's only, what, 78, 90 cents, something like that? It's a winner! Yeah, but it's CMC's pretty high, isn't it? For three? I don't think so. Three mana? Mm. The same thing as Sphinx's tutelage, so whenever now you're drawing a card, yeah. you're one person's milling two and everyone else is milling two, you have any sort of wheel, winds of, winds of uh, whatever. That's fair. It's a, no, it's it's uh, beating, for sure. Yeah, this, this card to me is ideally what I would have every type of, of three-costed or more enchantment in this deck be. Is exactly kind of like this. So I started searching for cards around this. So this was actually the first one that I looked up and found. Uh, that I thought would be a lot of fun to play with Karuga. Um, I, I just, I haven't seen it. I honestly haven't seen it much out there in the wild. And even in mill decks and that type of stuff, because we've come across players that played mill decks and I haven't seen this come onto the board a whole lot, which really surprised me because for 78 cents and it's in a really common set like M19 where people probably have this sitting in their binders, I was kind of expecting to see it in more stuff out there in the wild. I know you don't run it, but it, like this is the kind of card that I think does a lot of work in your uh, snakes on a plane deck there, Mr. Combo, because you're drawing so much. And, yeah. I mean, it's like it's like another copy of Alter of the Brood almost in that. Yeah, that's fair. It's fair. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I do have a joke. Karuga, Jamaica. Ooh, oh, I no. make it. Oh, yes. Wow. Yes, what wow. a draw. Very nice. Uh, all right, so the last card I'm going to talk about is actually an instant. Or flavor Ooh. decoy gambit 
It is two colorless and a blue, as you would have guessed. Instant, rare. For each opponent, choose up to one target creature that player controls, then return that creature to its owner's hand, unless his controller has you draw a card, as you would have guessed. Uh, this kind of is just a throw it onto the board if somebody's hitting you with something big, or if you want to just get people to start losing things or, or just really disrupt their board state, this would be, I, I would assume, kind of like a hops type of thing, uh, where you're getting out there and just interacting with the board on something that people aren't going to see coming. And I like the fact that it's not really going to piss them off that much. So you're going to get to draw a card, you're going to mill them out, it returns it to their hand, so they're not like, oh my god, you blew up right. my whole game, or my whole sure. board state. They're not going to hate you for the rest of the game. And that's, I guess, why it's named a gambit. Um, so this card, to me, would be kind of fun, as just a little bit of flavor in there. But, you know, in, in any type of deck where you're running mill strategy, I think he'd be a fun companion to build around, where you can have him out there, yeah, it's kind of... Psh- crappy that you have to do <laughs> three or greater on all of your cards in the deck if you're going to run them as your companion but uh, in any mill theme i think he's a lot of fun to have out there because he is the eighth card in your hand that you get to put on the board he's going to be the one that's coming in he's allowing you to draw a lot of cards and with these type of effects on top of what you're already going to have with your standard mill commander you can have this in there as just a, a double up effect almost really just mill people out quicker i like it yeah no that's fair um i think a card that you would have to have an auto include in this deck because it almost seems like you're going non-creatures with, yeah. with a lot of the cards that you talked yeah, for about the most part. um it's a card that mr t is white hot on with on our twitch stream uh with playing mtg arena shark typhoon oh the new one five yeah. colorless blue enchantment it's sitting around 350 uh whenever you cast a non-creature spell create an xx blue shark creature token with flying where x is that spells converted mana cost oh, that's and it does have a cycling effect so if you're desperate and you need to draw a card cycling mm-hmm. for x one colorless and a blue when you cycle shark typhoon create an XX blue shark creature token with flying and then you get to draw a card because you cycled so I think that would be a card that'd be great because if you're doing all these like instant rigmaroles mm-hmm. and enchantments and sorceries you're not really playing creatures yeah. you're just making shark shark well, shark and shark. I love that you brought up the cycling effect to this too because that just feeds into the idea of drawing cards and making me making people mill off of you drawing cards and drawing gas um so yeah running anything cycling in this with him as your companion in a deck is gonna be awesome so yeah that's a great include cycling's back baby i'm so excited (laughs) i've got got two cards for you they're they're in the same cycle it's words of wilding and words of wind whenever you draw a card you can pay one to get an effect the green one, Worlds of Wild, Words of Wilding, is whenever you draw a card, you may pay one to skip that draw, and you put a two-two bear into play. Oh, okay, wow, okay. kind of cool. Yeah, I do Very like cool. that. So it, it can stop you from decking, and you it can make your draws aggressive. Words of oh, Wind. I didn't even think about the stop from decking. That's pretty cool. That's genius. I never really. Not only that, but it also on top of stopping you from decking, turning your draws into gas. If you need it in a pinch and people have creatures on the board and you got nothing, this is a great card to just put out some block fodder with. That's yeah, you awesome. you got instant speed draw, you have instant speed creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, and Words of Wind is the blue one in the cycle. So same cost, one blue, two colorless. Um, whenever you draw a card, you may skip, pay one, skip that draw. Each player returns a permit you can they control to their hand. So you can use that to bounce your Karuga back to your hand so you can replay it and then right. get a bunch Ooh, more draws nice. with, with which you can effectively pay some more mana to bounce make everybody bounce some more stuff 
or just draw more cards, whichever one you want to do. But either way, everybody's bouncing a permanent. That and it doesn't say non-land. It's you can like if you're drawing enough cards and making enough mana, you can make everybody bounce their board. That is pretty amazing. I'm looking at all those words. Genius. All those words of cycles are all pretty legit. Like. Yeah. Some are, I mean, obviously the blue, the white one's not that hot, but the other ones are really solid. <laughs> the white one. I mean, is that, is that shocking to you? Uh, no, but I've actually, I think I've seen this played before. I don't even remember where. Someone had like a lock. I don't remember. But uh, yeah, the white one is actually better than you think in a life gain deck because if you have a well of lost dreams, oh, uh, you, so it's whenever you draw a card, you gain, or whenever you gain a life, you may draw cards. You can skip those draws to gain more life, and you can, as long as you have mana, you can just chain that up up the curve. Oh, so it, it can get pretty ridiculous. So if you have a dedicated life gain deck, Words of Worship with um, uh, Well of Lost Dreams is actually pretty sick. Nice, that is. Wow. All right. Well. Oh, man. You know what I actually kind of like is that words of waste. Uh, two colorless black. Uh, pay a colorless next time you would draw a card this turn. Um, each opponent discards a card from his or her hand instead. Yep. My nickel bolus, the deck could like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Uh, every, like, I I have one of each of these in every, in one of my decks. Like, I shouldn't say everyone, but like, all, every, every one of these cards in, in that cycle, I have in at least one deck. Yeah. It's, they're they're pretty good in the decks. They they're good. Yeah, I was gonna say that words of waste would probably be pretty good in Angie as well. To when you're drawing cards off of madness and that sort of thing. You know, this whole thing has brought a question to my mind on how would you categorize the percentage of commanders that are in a deck if it's a companion? Because you couldn't say it's the commander, but you couldn't necessarily because say you, you, it's would, you would say it's it's it would just it would just rate that it's in the deck. So if you look yeah. up, um, you know, actually Karuga, wouldn't rate that it's in the deck either because. It's to, as a companion, it, it's not in the deck. So can you mark that but on tap it, out? It, it does, it, no, it, it, it does count it as part of the deck. It's just not part of the 99. So, like, I'm sorry, I'm going back in my Safari browser. Burr, 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 burr. Here we go. Um, so if you just click as card, it's just a, as a card in the deck. So right now it's only showing in 108 decks. Now, companions are in the decks. They're just not physically in the 99 cards or 98 cards uh, sitting on your playmat. It's in the special zone. Yeah. Special. Yeah, I would assume that's the way that they're going to categorize that because that's really the only way to do it. Well, we game. found another gray area can out you, there. Can you tell me about a game called Special Zones? <laughs> <laughs> and I do want to point out before uh, Squee wraps up, Karuga the Macro Sage per EDH rec is in 99% of his own deck. Wow! wow. Pass it over to Squee. That's uh, I, I, I'm curious about the 1% there. Yeah. What what is that one percent that's outlying? How does that happen? They beat it. They figured it out. Where do we go from here? Lord. (laughs) Well, that's all I had on that. I wanted to to dive into the companions with something a little bit newer here today. So I'm going to kick it back to the Action Four News Desk with Big Tuck and Mr. Combo. Thank you for staying with us, and as always, remember those great giveaways from CMD Tower and Level 1 Game Shop by retweeting, subscribing, following, liking, sharing, and placing orders through level1gameshop.com. Also, another way to support your news team is to head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash cmdtower, with reward tiers for all the budgets. There is a way that you, the collective, can help me get... A time spiral. <laughs> you can stay in touch with your MTG Action 4 News team by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and our web seek, CMD Teak. 
You can communicate directly with your news team at CMD Tower, at Mr. Comma Number 5, all spelled out except for the 5, at Dear Squee, at Big Duck Tweeting, at MTG Lord of Leaves, and at The Vorthos Cast. From your MTG Action 4 news team, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.